Hello and welcome to the official Rugby World Cup podcast brought to you by Asahi Superdry, the official beer of the Rugby World Cup. Now, a South African, a New Zealander and a Scotsman walk into a podcast studio in Marseille. But it's not a joke because we're getting to the business end of the tournament with Scalp Brits, Andrew Mertens and a man that Fabian Galtier got a plane on all the way to Glasgow to drag Johnny Beatty back to the south of France by his cauliflower ears and he hasn't left. Look at him sat there with an Asahi, his shades on. He knows how to live Burning. their life. Burning. The Scot <laughs> is burning. Welcome to Marseille, gents. Thank you. Scalp, Johnny, thanks for being on time. Andrew, what's your excuse? Where have you been? Do you even know what day it is? No, I'm, I'm, I'm hallucinating already four weekends in. It's fantastic, but I wouldn't. I, I don't even know what city we're in. I can tell it's not the north of France because it's too hot, so I'm assuming that's the mid out there. Isn't it? Nice to be here. Plus, I straddle a few camps too. I, yeah, New Zealander, obviously, but born in South Africa, lived 10 years in Australia, now trying to probably get a French passport at some point as well. So I'm, I'm hedging my bets everywhere. You're arguing that it's harder to be an ex-player than it is a current player during a World Cup. It is. It's arduous. <laughs> if the current players think this is tough going through this period of playing and training through the World Cup, wait till they get to the afterlife and they run into blokes like this daily going about their business, doing corporate events and doing broadcasting and stuff like that and then catching up for the occasional beer, which never ends up being a beer. Um, it's a couple. So, yeah, it's, it's gruelling, i tell you that. Whilst you don't know what day it is, these two here, Scalp and Johnny, is it true that you're having a nice romantic stroll back along the coast after being at the game last night, South Africa, Tonga? Is that true? That is true. You were papped. It's all over the Lequip paper this morning. No, definitely not. I had my three boys here and the missus. Oh. And it was quite a family event, I would say. Uh, the atmosphere, apparently, was amazing. Oh, it was incredible. I was there with Bobby Skinstad and Warren Britz, a couple of former Springboks as well. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> yeah, next time. Um, There's only so many spaces in corporate. The under-18s, the family wasn't invited next yeah. time. Um, but I think just the way the Frenchies have got behind it, sort of neutral and, and, and going for the underdog as well, the Marseillaise is sung in all the stadiums and French rugby's on a real high with the national team flying. So there's been a real buy-in from the public they're there in numbers and they were supporting the Tongan team last night, which is incredible. Probably Tonga's best performance as well, yeah. but the atmosphere is across the board in every single of the host cities, every single nine has been exceptional. So last night, another one was phenomenal. It's been a pretty good sort of responsible environment too. Like I was over in Bordeaux, I think, a couple of days ago <laughs> and uh, people were talking about how the Irish had been there and late at night. They'd never seen such partying as they saw from the Irish till four in the morning, but they reckon the Irish cleaned up after themselves, took all their glassware away from in the streets and stuff like that. So they were very, very impressed over there. And I love the underdog thing that the French have really embraced. They, they were all over Fiji against Australia, you know, and they've got them through. And then Fiji's turned up the next week and played a day or so ago. Was that where I was in Bordeaux? Goodness knows. Played against Georgia. Yeah. And initially the French are still on the Fijian side, but suddenly the Georgians are showing yeah. a lot of heart and a lot of spirit and tackling their... their just tackling themselves to a standstill and suddenly it flipped and the French have all gone right damn the Fijians the Georgians are the underdogs we're on you guys tonight and they rode them through it was unbelievable and then last night I was at Australia Portugal well, same thing say, behind did, did Portugal you, be honest did you go to Australia Portugal as a New Zealander just in case Portugal beat Australia <laughs> No, look, of uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm kind of trying to be everyone's friend. Um, in fact, that's why you know after what the, the number of losses I contributed to for the All Blacks, that's why I can't live in New Zealand. I'm always living in trying to live in Australia or France or England. Or look what I've done for those teams over the years. It's sad to see Australia have underperformed in this tournament. And as a New Zealander, you know that our kind of futures are entwined in rugby. You know, we need to kind of be, be strong together as well. Not against necessarily anyone, but New Zealand rugby does need Australia to be strong. It's yeah. a bigger economy and that sort of thing. So yeah. while it's fantastic to see the Fijians at this stage look like they're going to qualify, barring some sort of debacle against Portugal, um, it is tough to see the Australians depart. That's why they kicked out the South Africans. <laughs> is that official? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, look, yeah, I, and I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was we don't need positive. You. I was positive about South Africa leaving Super Rugby because I just thought logistically it was oh, ridiculous it was. for all the teams and for South African teams yeah, was, as well. Yeah, yeah. I love our history with South Africa, with yeah. the All Blacks, whether it's Springboks or in Super Rugby, but it just wasn't practical yeah. for anyone. But in saying that, you got to say that that, that rugby, that not having the much more physically dense South Africans and that, that really real strength of rugby has in a way weakened the, yeah. the Super Rugby competition because it's all moving the ball around, which is great. It looks fantastic. But when it comes to the nitty-gritty, we're un potentially underprepared up against these big, bulky teams. You two can have a chat about that over a beer maybe later on. <laughs> Should we get back to the World Cup? Oh, Just sorry. one thing on the, the South Africa-Tonga game last night. Uh, at the end, 
uh, both teams coming together. Very special. And I know we say it a lot, but it, it really is what rugby's about, isn't it? Both teams coming together to have a sing song. It was a prayer. It was lovely. Yeah, I guess that is the beauty about rugby if you compare it to any other sports. It is although you try to smash the living crap out of each other for 80 minutes, <laughs> afterwards you have a beer together. They prayed after the game and they probably had a couple of cold ones. Mm. And that, that is what rugby is all about. I mean, I can remember playing against a lot of guys that I thought was an absolute... And then afterwards you have a beer with a guy and you thought, oh, well, he's just the same as me. He's just very competitive. He wants to win the game. But afterwards you relax and have one of these. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's mm. absolutely fantastic. I would ask you about South African performance, but actually... The only topic anyone wants to talk about at the moment is uh, Leboc Pollard. Yeah. To be fair, as a current world champion scout, I can understand a hooker being replaced by a fly half back in your day because you could probably have played fly half. I mean, you played. I wanted to play fly half. I, I know, we noticed when you played. <laughs> I also love the fact that you just timed your World Cup run. You got 15 caps over 34 years for South Africa and just yeah. came back for the World Cups, didn't you? Yeah, the big thing people must understand, and this is for all the young ones, <laughs> the more you pass the ball to the bigger guys, the longer your career is. It's not a short <laughs> stint. Make sure it is as long as possible. You compound your interest rate, you compound your money over long term, not short term. Says the oldest <clears throat> World Cup winner of all time. Yeah, but th that happened quite quite weirdly though, because I did retire officially. I had my last training session, my last uh, dinner, benefit dinner, I had my <laughs> last game, won the premiership, done. And actually, I was in uh, Ibiza with the missus and the kids, um, spending some time, quality time, looking forward to the next step of my life. Um, and I was actually, it was 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and I was drinking a couple of mojitos, room service, as you do, kids in bed with the missus, trying to feed us some mojitos. And then I got a text message from Rassi, and it was it's weird. It was, he asked just an uh, Afrikaans text message. All he said is, is your line finished? Uh, direct translation. But it's like, do you still want to have a go? And I thought it was Vincent Koch having beers. And so they had a training camp in, in Cape Town. I said, yeah, I'm 100% in. I'm the quickest, fittest, strongest, hottest hooker you'll ever have. And after like three, four messages of replying, <laughs> taking the piss out of the messages... My wife, the lawyer, the, the conservative one said, are you sure it's not Rassi? I said, Kalinda, I'm 38 years old. He could have pulled me in way earlier. There's no chance of him. And then I picked up the phone, what was that, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And um, Rassi picked up and that's how I got back into, into rugby for another 18-month stint. So, it's amazing. Intelligent it? move though, isn't it? You'd say smart. Mm. Uh, intelligent smart. move having your testimonial before you retire. Then you, <laughs> <laughs> you take that compound interest you're talking about as well, but then you can do another one a couple of years' time. <laughs> Unfortunately, I never did the second minute for dinner. I felt too guilty. That's, good well. yeah, it's, it's That's an incredible story because you go on to win the World Cup. Yeah, look, the, the interesting part when we got together, Rassi is, look, he is very precise in his planning. And the, the interesting part, none of the coaches has done that previously. We came into the first meeting, we played actually England in a test series in South Africa. Mm. And he had all the games planned out till the final and said, okay, you're going to play, uh, you're going to play, uh, you're going to play, uh, this is what we're going to try. And the aim wasn't actually 2019, it was this World Cup. So he said, Nobody can turn a team around in 18 months. We're going to have a proper shot at it. This is what we're going to do. We looked at different KPIs to make certain that our probability of winning. And he went into depth on how we're going to play, what's truly South African. And so sort of with winning, you start getting confidence. And we were all focusing on the process. But the results came. The belief came. We got lucky in the 2019 World Cup. Playing certain teams and certain injuries happened. But mm. hey, to bow out like mm. that was um, being in Japan, bowing <laughs> was great. Kampai. Mashallah, I love that. But I wanted to ask you, through that conversation, him saying, look, we're not tipping at this World Cup, we're aiming for 23. And those KPIs, what was it in those conversations that he thought you didn't have enough in the tank to win the competition, but you ended up smashing and winning? He referred it to experience. You uh, went and said, okay, fine. This is the past winning World Cup squads. This is how many test matches they've had. We don't have it. We don't have the experience. We don't have time. And unfortunately, with, with a team like that, you need time together to build, understand, 
each other's... That's what Eddie Jones is arguing about this current Australian Well, that's thing. why they're going home, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite brutal, but I mean, I mean, there is some great players you could have taken with. Yes, he, I know he's building for the next World Cup in Australia, but you want that experience. If if you under... Well, you guys can say, if, if you under pressure, you just want a guy that's been there and done that before. Andre Pollard hasn't played in how many months he hasn't played. He got on the tee yesterday... And just slotted those three pointers. Mm. And the one thing I think we lo- we lacked against Ireland, we didn't take our opportunities, but we didn't build scoreboard pressure. And if you don't build but that, but they must have known that before the World Cup started, they would have known they would needed a goal kicker. No, it's, I thought the strategy would have been different. Like if you take the New Zealand game in in at Twickenham, the strategy was different. Yes, we're not going to take the three pointers when it's at offer. We're going to kick into the corners and. That's why we went yeah. for 7-1 split. Then we, I thought we were going to do exactly the same with the 7-1 split against Ireland. But then we went for the points where you can get total, total advantage, put, get that lactic acid in the legs, yeah. scrum more, more, more. But yet we went for the points. And unfortunately, our kickers weren't, or our kicker weren't a target. Should we ask one of the best kickers of all time? And Andrew Mertens, what's coming? <laughs> Second highest point scorer. I mean... Mm. Dan Carter, whatever. You're yeah, the man, exactly. really. Yeah. What, what are you saying on this Labocca Pollard <laughs> situation, Andrew? I don't know. I wondered if it was just masterful coaching. You know, you know, you know in a World Cup you're going to have injuries, you know you're going to be able to replace players. Did they know? Um, we've seen it with New Zealand as well, brought in Ethan Blackadder, and you know you're going to get there's going to be some attrition on the way through. Mm. You've got maybe you've got a senior guy who's got comfortable in his position and, and suddenly gets a little bit of a jab, doesn't get picked, but yeah. he's ultimately going to turn up at the at the business end of the competition. Maybe it was all that. Look, Libok's a fantastic player, an exciting player. Um, Andre Pollard's just awesome. I mean, already a World Cup winner, yeah. proven success. I mean, I, I'm surprised to hear that 2019 wasn't necessarily the focus because I remember in 2015 looking at that semi-final, the box just lost mm. to Twickenham to yeah. the All Blacks mm. and they had – like the up and coming locking combination, you know, yeah. All Blacks had established white lock and retellic, but yeah. you guys with Diaga and uh, and uh, Itzabeth, yeah. who were clearly only a year or two away from sort of being at their yeah. peak, the next World Cup they were always going to be dominant. Andre Pollard was going to be at 2019 World yeah. Cup in the peak of his career yeah. as, a, as a fly half, yeah. you know, late 20s sort of thing around there. So I'm surprised that it wasn't necessarily a focus. But at the same time, you give it your everything, don't yeah. you? And go as far as you can, which surprises me about Australia a little bit. Eddie Jones has probably had a bit of a free swing. And I like Eddie, great bloke, great coach, um, lives and breathes rugby. Um, but he's probably had a little bit of a get-out-of-jail free card when he's talking about 2027 World Cup. You still want to come here with some experienced players, a lot of which they have left at home. You can't wipe out and start rebuilding for the next World Cup at a current World yeah, Cup, can you? So, um, it's, inter- it's, it's just interesting to hear different teams' perspectives mm. on it and stuff. But every World Cup team that's won has done it through experience, yeah. like you say, you know, from 2003 England team. The, the amount of experience was in that team there was phenomenal. I'm not getting an answer from the South African and the New Zealand on this fly-half debate who's going to play in it. Johnny, is it going to be... ask who's <clears> going to play, Who's going to play? Statistically, if you look at Rassi, Libox of what percentage goal kicker? He's under 80%. So if you want your sure thing, and you've got your Henry Pollard back from injury, you go with Pollard. It's a, it's a no-brainer. Like, but then you're not going to get the no-look cross-kick. <laughs> which was well, sensational. Which hey, is just You don't unreal. expect that from South African, right? Well, I, I wouldn't. I mean, you can say I wouldn't, but it was just, what a phenomenal It was sumptuous, skill. and you have to appreciate it, right? To have the gumption to try it, then to execute on that stage. Best yeah. Scalkers tried that at some point. Yeah, you would have, 100%. It was incredible to well, watch, but then miserably. that's not going to win you World Cups, is it? I mean, Libok has been phenomenal in the URC and with his franchise in South Africa, but if you're ticking under 80% for your top-level goal kicker, you're leaving 11 points out there against Ireland, mm. you take those points, you win the game. And that's what these championships, the deciders are going to come down to. So I fully expect Pollard, with the game time under his belt, they took him off after 50 last night through the quarters, the semis, to, to be their starter. I, I, I would say what, what will happen. I'm, I'll make a prediction now. I'll say Ooh, he's going to start with Polly and then he's going to go to a 6-2 split and put Marnie on the bench. And then he'll use Lebox. I mean, the backline moves better with Lebox there. He brings some X factor to that to that team. And I think maybe the 6-2 split is a better um, yeah. combination but for That's us. not how much press recently, is it? No. South African bench. <laughs> well, that is, I mean, 
I've heard some ridiculous comments, and I won't say who. Go on, what are the worst ones you've heard? You can't have a seven-one split. Is is and is is not in the spirit of the game. <laughs> Does it I matter mean, with South Africans? Because I mean, the backs have always been. When you look back to the days, <laughs> Peter Miller and yeah. Dill Ender now, and you know Bram van Straat yeah. and this stuff. I think it's just eight eight bench players. I think they can all play forwards and backs, mm. can't they? In South Africa, it's a lot of weird backs. Mm. I think you're right. I think they'll probably go with Andre Pollard. But what a great name for Le Boc playing for, sprint, for South Africa in France in a World Cup. He is Le Boc. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. There's a, there's a real value to that, I feel. No, nobody's thought of that yet? That's brilliant. Well, said it Why is no one thought about that? regurgitating it. Le Boc is just World Cup. Well, there's also an argument to have a 10-12 combo. So Manny and Pollard have played together as a 10-12. I know you're moving a bit of physicality and you're not having a Del Andy or a big hitting 12, but would that be a scenario potentially you could see? No. Not at all. I, I know what you're saying, and New Zealanders, we've always used that you second 5-8th playmaker, but the game has changed, yeah. hasn't it? And you see every team that's doing well here from Bundiaki, just a, a bludgeoning 12. And they can be obviously skillful with that, but they need to have the ability to be bludgeoning is you the need, only word for it. You need a 12 to punch. Well, my view is you need a 12 to punch and give you momentum. Mm. Jordan gone, Barrett comes yeah. back with the All Blacks, yeah. same sort of thing. Isn't 100%. It? It's very hard to play around teams now with the rush defence who try to play with a 10-12. Look, same with England. I, I don't think the Ford-Own combination works at 10-12 either. With Tuolagi at 12, it's yeah. so much better, eh? I think sometimes, Johnny, when we do this World Cup pod, we just talk about, you know, these achievements and, and what people have done and got a World Cup winner with us. And if, Oldest? you know, Andrew could drop a goal, maybe he would have been in 95. Yeah, but look at what wouldn't have happened if, if I'd managed to get a drop goal. Look at what wouldn't have... <laughs> the movie wouldn't have been made. Morgan Freeman doesn't play out his life's dream. All of that doesn't happen if I'd just been thinking about myself. And about <laughs> selfless. It was selfless, mate. You're country. right. I'm a giver. Yeah. I can't imagine what that must be like for you because you're right, it kind of changed the complexion of not just rugby but, but sport, really. Well, you, you can get away from it sometimes until people bring it up again. <laughs> I did see Joel, actually, uh, a couple of nights ago. He was, he was commentating. Actually, it was probably last night. Oh, my goodness. And it was nice to see Joel. So sometimes with these guys, it's only every four years that you run into one another, yeah. and it's always nice sort of reunion. Always have that little tinge. We sort of go in for a cuddle, probably the more, most physical you know time we, we ever actually – neither of us made many tackles, did we? Yeah. But we go in for a big hug, and I've sort of got that little <laughs> little part of me going, if there's any sharp object, you know, I can just – no, you can't no, do it. He's still too, there. Too good a bloke. Yeah, 20 um, years old. Because you were born in South Africa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, the point I was making, Johnny, is it's the, it's the dream. It's amazing. I know that you've got your own history with with the World Cup. Yeah. What, what, what memories of World Cups? Exactly. So like 38 tests, but every single game was in between. So either injured, <laughs> not selected, Don't torn quads, non-picked. Look at the world champion just laughing at I you. I know, smug. smug. <laughs> South African. He's not going to care. But it's, that's, that's it. It's the, it's it could have been so different. It's heartbreaking. And you just want to go and take that step to be there, represent your country, and be part of potentially for Scotland this weekend. A huge game. Like imagine that for Scottish fans traveling everyone back home. Let's talk about that. Oh, it could be oh, epic. Is it the end for Scotland on Saturday or are they going to surprise, is it fair to say, a few people? Well, they knew coming in, didn't they? It's, it's the cruelest pool. You had number one, number three, number five coming into the tournament, all playing each other. You also had to play Romania and Tonga. So everyone knows looking for bonus points again, those two. And then it's a shootout between the top three teams. Scotland have already lost the initial game against South Africa. Oh, this is good, by the way. Johnny knows all the permutations. Oh, yeah. Every throwing me under the bus. Every single... Uh, the it's a mind-blowing scenario. The easiest one is that Scotland have to beat Ireland and not leave them a bonus point. So Scotland have to get four points from the game, not give Ireland a bonus point at that one point. So you have to win by seven or more. And that hasn't happened for Scotland since 2001. You have to go back to foot and mouth disease it's 20 plus years ago. So it's a big challenge. And Andrew was still playing then almost. I had that. I thought it was foot in mouth disease. Chronic all my life, but sorry. But that's it. So they've known it's the cruelest of pools. You have to knock over one of the big two teams. And that's the chance they get this weekend in Paris. It's not going to be easy, but they'll prep away quietly and they'll try and throw some punches, shoot some shots and, and see where they Are go. Are you but confident? Mate, it's going to be difficult. He's sitting it? on the fence. He is, yeah. He's, he's, he's not saying a yes or no answer. He's giving all but I the... Think that, I think that's like every guest we've had on the uh, on the pod, I've said who's going to win it. And they're all a little bit unsure this year, which is brilliant for the fan, isn't it? Because we are unsure. But it's you... not beyond them at all, is it? 
Scotland. I well, mean, how many times have we seen them win the Calcutta Cup over the years against a, a stacked England team where nobody really gave them a lot of chance? It's not beyond them. On the performance against South Africa, which wasn't wonderful in, in saying that South Africa controlled the game, oh. you wouldn't say they're much of a chance. But in four weeks, how much they've learned and how much they've applied themselves in preparation. It's also a completely different style of game, right? Mm. So potentially the Scottish game is more suited to playing against Ireland. The South African power game, we couldn't cope with. So the scrum pressure came second period, scrum penalties, the blitz defense, we didn't manage. Ireland don't play that way, but you have to stand back and appreciate mm. the work that they do, the detail and how they're set up by Andy Farrell and the coaching team. They are sublime to watch. Yeah, um, tell you what, but first, first 20 minutes of that, Scott, that game on Saturday, oh, it was, although we lost the game, that gave me sort of a, a bit of satisfaction, I would say. What, Ireland? You're talking about Ireland? No, I'm talking about this Saturday, actually. Just the oh, first this one. 20 minutes. That, yeah, based on the South Africa Island. Yeah. No, it's, fine. it's all right. Get him back into that leaf. Yeah, Get him in the shade. It's, it's a guy's throwing the ball around, trying to look pretty. It's, it's, <laughs> I want the physical things, right? It's going to be pretty, but unfortunately the games are won in the tight five. Saturday's not going to be pretty, that first 20 minutes. You're either Ireland, naturally Scotland. pretty or you're not, aren't you? So if, if, <laughs> if you're not naturally pretty, don't try to be, you know? How did you play fly-off and he played hooker all your careers and he just looks wonderful Andrew mm. what, what's going on there genetics I think probably. is it look and, at him and, you were born and, 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 and some skin products and stuff people like Phil Kearns another hooker <laughs> Australia <laughs> wonderful wonderful complexion there are just some guys yeah. have it and you know it's obviously care goes into it some maintenance but there's yeah. there's natural genetic angle as yeah. well is that is that what it is yes unfortunately so clearly I'm just yeah, rugged breeding <laughs> real tough hard mongrel uh, Johnny can you confirm or deny that it could be a, a South Africa New Zealand final now couldn't it it could be could be. Oh, there's so many that? different ways. So, so it, yes, so it could be. So the quarterfinals and then the crossover from the semis. Yeah, that's what's so confusing us. Yeah. That's the confusing bit for everyone following. Luckily, this is the official Rugby World Cup pod. And, and we know exactly what we're talking, talking about. about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it could, it could be, it could be, Andrew, like they, were ne they weren't really never part of the conversation, the All Blacks, were they? But they did have a quiet week after the loss against... France. What's it been? What have you seen this week with the All Blacks? Are they are they back to where they are? The, the confident, free flowing players that they are. It's it's, it's hard to judge because Italy, I think, was poor. Yeah. Some of that was obviously the All Blacks making them look poor, but I don't think the All Blacks will have taken much out of that game, and that there just wasn't the same pressure on the All Blacks as you'll get from France or South Africa or probably most other teams. Yeah, Italy was was disappointing. Um, and saying that, the All Blacks were impressive. And, and I think really they've, they've gone away and been able to work without a lot of noise around them. As soon as they lost to France, coming off the back of having lost to South Africa yeah. at Twickenham, the talk went away from New Zealand. The talk had been away from Ireland even coming to the tournament, which I thought was dangerous. Yeah. The, you know, the talk was all around South Africa and France, and understandably, but there wasn't probably as much respect given to Ireland until they managed to pip yeah. South Africa. Yeah. And the talk had gone away from New Zealand as well, and that's that's fine by them. They just that's keep great. on working, working, and if they can come into the game as an underdog, underdog which is you know historically not a, yeah. a, a, a very uh, regular position for them, then they'll be very happy. Sounds like there was quite a lot of spice at training, which is always nice. From a back, it's always nice to hear their spice at training because you know it's always the Fords. The backs have got a little, you know, even in contact sessions, a little wink over there and, and understanding we're not going to try and smash one. I was never going to smash anyone anyway, but the backs don't do it. The Fords go to their work though and it's been a bit of spice by the sounds of it since they got back Frizzell, since they got back Lomax, uh, Geordie Barrett as well. So the guys coming back in, Apparently the intensity's gone up a little bit as well. So that's that's what we're hanging our hats on as New Zealanders, hoping. When you played uh, Northern Hemisphere teams, be honest, did you think of it as a big challenge or did you think of it, you know, those tours used to go on. I yeah, mean, absolutely. So much success. I think I read something random. It's changed massively since 2020. I think it's France and England have got like 17-3 over Southern Hemisphere teams in the last few years. It's changed. But it has changed a lot. Massively. Yeah. Doesn't it? You don't tend to think about it as a player though, do you? What hemisphere it is. You just think about the team you're playing against. And yes, you can sort of broadly put the Northern Hemisphere teams into one sort of bucket as all being big and bulky and really hard to sort of break through. You're not going to run through them. You've got to find ways to manipulate space. But again, it doesn't feel like a South African, uh, a Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere thing, I guess, when you're a player. You just always expect a team to be at the best they possibly can when you prepare for them. Like England in that 2019, even though England hasn't been wonderful in the build-up to this competition, you've got to go in thinking they can, they've got the players mm -hmm. that can produce a performance like that at any time. They may not produce it three times in a row, enough to win the World Cup. Who knows? The English can certainly hope for that because on their day, they can they, they, they can be fantastic, can't they? Yeah, I, I would say 
going, this is now from 09. To be fair, the Northern Hemisphere teams weren't ranked one, two or three. or, And they were not at that level. It has changed in 14 years or 15 years. So it is from that perspective, Ireland went to New Zealand last year and won a test series. Mm. So, I mean, then you go the same. It becomes, you have to give them the respect. The growth in the game of the Northern Hemisphere has been amazing. That probably influx of Southern Hemisphere players sharing IP. And now you've got, uh, for me personally, you've got the best leagues up north. Mm. And it's very competitive. It's hard. Yeah. It's tough. And you've got so, so, such a rich, can I say, IP playing in the Northern Hemisphere. And that's brought the game up. And now that's why they, well, pre-World Cup, um, before New Zealand and South Africa, they were ranked number one and two, France and Ireland. So from that perspective, you have to give them the same kind of respect that you would have had playing New Zealand, our arch enemy. Mm. So from that perspective now, okay, boys, you can't. We The thought, and arrogantly I would say, you think, okay, fine, it's going to be a tough game till minute 60, 65, and then maybe, you know, you break through. Now it's it's a different situation because the soft underbelly that we thought they would have doesn't exist anymore. They are hard, they're competitive, they are clever in the way they're coached. It is, it's just different. I think you said it, it was a couple of months ago, I was listening to you on the um, on the Rugby Pass yes. podcast. Do you know what's coming here? Yeah. And, Go. You, and you said that Ireland... They would probably flop at the World Cup. Well, I, I, I probably still think there's a big probability. They're playing New Zealand. Scotland first. Yeah, well, I, I said they're going to lose in the quarterfinals. Okay. I was surprised with the South African. I'd, I'll eat my hat for that. Look, the first 20 minutes against Ireland, South Africa versus Ireland, I thought we will dominate them. And they they lost five or six lineouts in a row. They went to shorter lineouts. And Andy Farrell and that coaching team has done wonders with that team. They gave them belief. I've heard they've spoken about, yes, let's talk about the elephant in the room. We haven't gone further than a quarterfinal. Let's mm. talk about it. And for a coach to go and say, listen, let's get the monkey out of our back. Let's talk about it. What do we need to change? How do we have to improve to get that monkey? And they've got the capability to win a World Cup. I still think it's it's as hard as like the South African cricket team. They've never won a World Cup. During World Cups, they're fantastic. But it is, I'm dishing my own countrymen here. But it is it's hard to get that monkey. And win it, yeah, yeah. It's a different thing. No, a lot of people have talked about that on the pods. And actually, will, will the pools make a difference, Johnny? You know, would you rather be like a, an island who just game after game being challenged, coming in proper ready, or, you know, maybe uh, an England, you know, they talk about that easier route. Where would you rather be? I'd have that easier route. Mm. I think the problem for this side of the France, South Africa, Ireland, New Zealand, Scotland is what's what state you're going to get to, what state you're going to be in when you get to the final. How deep How is many your you score? got left? Well, well, Essentially. But ju not just that. And he's playing his best side every game, week in and week out. Now, that is hard to go. I mean, people probably won't like this. South Africans won't like me saying this, but South Africa had quite a hard and easy way to the final in 2019. Look, we played Japan quarterfinals, we played Wales semi-final, and we played England final, where England had to play Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Now, to on consecutive weekends, get yourself up and be... We all know we played with injuries and and a bit of soreness when you go into a game. Well, not me. I only played 15 test matches, but... At number eight. Yeah, at number eight. Yeah. But the point is, is to play your best squad week in and week out is hard. And it, that's maybe, I don't, it's a strategy that Andy's taking on. I don't know if that's the right strategy, but we've swapped. New Zealand has swapped. South Africa swapped to keep the team all up, to keep the players fresh. I don't know about Scotland. They just go on their own thing, I guess. Maybe we'll see this weekend. But going back to your point in Ireland, just to pick that back up, what is it that you think they're lacking? Because number one team in the world, yes, there's the mentality of not having been through semis and finals previously, but they've won that big test series in New Zealand, they've shown different things, different qualities. What is it that you think they're lacking compared to a South Africa or a France or a New Zealand that have been there regularly? What do you think that they're lacking? Uh, what do you think they can't win? The, 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 the one thing that I thought pre-World Cup was the grit when it go, go and get stuff. I thought Johnny will pull out. I was very surprised that he didn't. Top tackler. Yeah, he was actually... Is he older phenomenal. than you now? Sorry? Is he older than you than 
Is he he's thirty? No, not old. yet. Not yet. Well, he's still you're still the oldest. I'll, I will try to kick him before. <laughs> you <laughs> before be when the they get to the final, yes, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll summon to kick him. Um yeah, but so from that perspective, I must say, and credit <laughs> you to paid Alan. the Namibians to get rid of DuPont, so <laughs> maybe so are you talking to the hey, yeah, uh, the Scots this un, week? Un, unfortunately there's <laughs> not much? a lot of Africans in uh, in this quarterfinals and um finals or semi-finals but yeah it, it's for me it, in the beginning i thought it's just being there and done it before it, it's hard to get that monkey off your back really do you think it's that important that experience that is very important wow that is fascinating isn't it uh coaches obviously play a part in that in terms of confidence very different characters in your home nations ian foster quite quiet good coach don't know much about him tell should us it, everything should have been sacked yeah, it was, I mean, that win in Johannesburg supposedly last year saved yeah. him. And I didn't think the Springboks played very, very well in that game. No, they didn't. You, you saw the, the difference between how they belted the All Blacks in the first test yeah. and then it, it changed markedly. So it, it, it had the effect of saving uh, Ian Foster. He's had a lot of players come out and, and speak in his support. That was well before there was an actual rival, you know. So you're always probably going to come out and support yeah. your coach. I don't know. It's hard to know until you, uh, unless you're actually in the system. Um, I've must always be, liked must be weird for him knowing that. Him. He, he yeah. just didn't have a huge track record in Super Rugby with the Chiefs or, or really anywhere. And he'd come through as the anointed successor to Steve Hansen, anointed by Sir Steve Hansen as well, which may prove to be one of those ones where someone likes to look better after the next guy doesn't yeah. look as good. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but he had a plan. <laughs> yeah, it's just look. I haven't. I. Don't know if I've seen New Zealand because we don't have the same resources as other countries, quite you know, and, and rugby's no longer as dominant as it was in the New Zealand sporting landscape. We've got to maintain our innovation. That's the only way we can stay ahead. We're not bigger and stronger than any other team. Yes, we've got a significant Polynesian element which brings dynamic, you know, play and things like that. And our skills have probably been ahead of the rest of the world for sort of the last ten or fifteen years. Just our skills from one to twenty-three being able to tip the ball on. But I'm not sure I've seen. An improvement and, and an evolution in the team in the last four years. But he knows, that, he knows he's not going to be there. Yeah, and then look, in saying well. that, they've come back after having played. I'm not trying to, definitely not trying to make excuses for the All Blacks. No, no. What I would say as a New Zealander is the hope that players can't maintain a, a peak for 12 weeks. When do you want to be peaking? You want to be peaking from the middle of October, assuming you get to the, the quarterfinals. But in that pool, I think, and certainly after what we saw against Italy, the All Blacks could assume to be in the quarterfinals. So they don't. maybe they don't really mind whether they lose to France in the opening game or not. They, they got run away from in the second half against both the box at Twickenham and France in that opening game. The hope as a New Zealander is they were in a training session, a training segment, where they were doing stuff that was designed to be refined and um, what do you call it with bodybuilders? I wouldn't know, obviously, but you know how they they, they trim up and as it comes up to competition time and the All Blacks are kind of the same. Yeah. Targeting mid to late October, let's hope that the kind of the leg weariness or being a run away from, because fitness has always been a big part of the All Blacks game, let's hope that that was part of, an, as a New Zealander, that that was part of what contributed to those losses. And so I think they're starting to hopefully... Well, that's what strides. England did. Yeah. Yeah, true. England, well, Alad pushed them in the pre World Cup games. Alad, uh, Walters, is, is it? Yeah. yeah. Welsh boy, see? Yeah, Welsh boy, great. And he was our fitness guy in, in 2019. Yeah. yeah. And by all accounts, they were pushing the boys to the max. Well, wasn't really focusing well, on the games. There's a rumor that Wales hadn't picked up a ball in the first couple of warm up games, you know, because they were just focusing on defense, kicking it away and practicing the defense because Gatlin knew, you know, what his team needed their defense had been pretty porous throughout november internationals last year and that's rich coming from me criticizing anyone's (laughs) defense but throughout six nations it wasn't you know it wasn't a um you know it didn't have any integrity that welsh defensive line that certainly has changed and it shows how you know in, in 12 months you can do something as a new coach again australia came in nothing to do with eddie's ability or whatnot but just making that change five six seven months ago where realistically they only had a handful of games in the middle of the year to prepare, Wales is now showing that, yeah, after those initial, yeah. you know, um, poor performances, that they've picked up. So We always say, don't you, Gatlin knows how to get the best out of his players. So you've got, you know, Ian Foster maybe a bit quiet in there, and then you've got Razzie. What's we weird go. and wonderful <laughs> team talk he's ever given? What's one of your favourites? I don't know if you've watched Chasing the Sun. Absolutely. But, but, but there the is definitely a lot of... Um, it's brilliant. Though. Creative. What an insight. Yeah. There's a lot of creative talking going on there. Um, <laughs> but pretty much it's, look, from, from, from a technical analytical perspective, the, the way, I guess all coaches do it, but the specific things you look 
four in, in different KPIs or probabilities of winning a game is, is very interesting. So I'll use this example. We played Wales many times, I think four times before the 2019 World Cup. And we had more meters run, we had more offloads, more line breaks, uh, more possession. And we couldn't understand why we lose and arrogantly say that against a team that we thought we should win. And then we looked at all four games and used a lot of different analysis on other teams. And we came to the conclusion, the reason why also doing well is that kicking meters is way more than our running meters. And kicking meters was one of the KPIs that we looked at. And then we went to New Zealand and everybody thinks New Zealand's got this amazing attacking game that they do have. But it's, they kick, they kick more, more than anyone else. Than anyone else. Yeah. And then we went, okay, well, why are we playing rugby? The way the game is refed, we don't want the ball. We want territory and that's it. Kicking pressure, you have to have a good set piece. So Razzie's telling you this now, and no. you're thinking he's lost the plot slightly. He ca- comes up with weird and wonderful things. He's got a traffic that, light yes, to tell people and, to go and, for goal. And in the beginning, the players go like this. If People don't like change, right? No, it's hard to change. So a guy comes out with any kind of theory, and you go, this guy's batshit crazy, right? And then you go, okay, fine, let's try it. Let's try it. And the way they look at it is, listen... We can only learn and improve. So then you go with the, the mindset of, okay, let's, let's see how it goes. The, the Rassi that I saw in 03 and the Rassi that I saw in 2019 is totally different. He gets more input from the senior players. And so if you've got a group of players that are believing in this weird and wonderful strategy, you go, although you think it's, oh, this is a bit odd. Okay, let's try it. You try it and it works and you go, okay, fine. This guy isn't actually as crazy as <laughs> you think. A world he, he, he's, he's just uh, like, I mean, just the way he tried to sell or did sell the 6-2 split. We thought, what are you doing, mate? This is seriously, it's never been done. And so he's playing around with things where I think if you look at all the coaches that's out there from an innovation perspective, he's trying to push the boundaries to the next level. And yes, they call him crazy. But that is what Russia does. Yeah. Listen, as Skalk has just accused you of, I know you're sitting on the fence for this Ireland-Scotland match. Just quick thing to pick up on for our Scottish fans. There is talk about dropping Darcy Graham uh, no. for this game. Yes. For who? For Stain. No. So good. I was going to say, like talking about going mad. I'd be surely be calling for that. He'd be sweating now that both those boys are close to knocking down his try scoring record for Scotland. So you've got Darcy Graham <laughs> yes. and Duhan van der Merve now closing in really quickly. But then yeah. that's... Because they're set up nicely, it's an attractive way they play. Um, well, look, Dar- Darcy Graham for me is exceptional. His speed across the ground, his change of direction, his try scoring tally now is, you know, you're talking in the realms of Jorah Kokokos and John Alomus and Cheslin Colby's, like, it's exceptional. And we're not, you know, the biggest, most destructive nation, but the fact that we managed to generate that space for him when he finishes is exceptional and great fun to watch for kids as well, all shapes and sizes. He's one of those pocket rockets that's well, phenomenal for the game. Yeah, Scotland is great to watch anyway. Yeah. Can we generate enough go forward momentum to fire some shots? Just going back, like, when you've got a player like John Alomu in your side back in the day, yes. does your tactics completely change and it is purely give that man, he doesn't need... Yeah, we I, had want to, that, I want that to know that We had to protect those less physical guys. <laughs> so that's when I'd put my hand up and try and take as much responsibility. No, we missed four. I mean, we, we wanted to get the ball to Jonah as often as possible. We didn't want to try and get the ball to him when he suddenly got three defenders on him at the same time. And inevitably against South Africa, they had a lot of motivation to tackle Jonah, yeah. you know, as they're very proud of telling us he never scored a try against South Africa. But other guys around him scored tries because yeah. he took a lot of attention. But yeah, it was, it's, a, it's a fine balancing act. Get the ball to him as soon as possible, but without being just so predictable that you let all the defence run off onto him. We did get it, and this shows my age. We did get a fax of good luck before the World Cup final in '95, where all New Zealanders were sending in these fax messages and then we'd pin them up around the wall. And one little boy, I think in rural North Island, New Zealand, sent through, "Hey, oh, hey, All Blacks, rugby's a team game, so all of you pass it to Jonah." <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that sort of looked like what the tactic was—just get it out to him. Was yeah. he was he really that amazing? Probably the best rugby player I've ever seen. Oh, oh, he was phenomenal. I mean, you know, just for ball in hand, just the, the the way he would make defenders quake. Maybe not South Africans, you don't quake at anything, but just the nervousness and and that was the attention that he got from South Africa yeah. because I guess did he did make defenses nervous. But yeah, phenomenal. I've never seen really people try and put in place specific defensive measures just to counter one single yeah. player um, and that was pretty much just putting as many bodies as you could together in a condensed space to try and stop this truck running through you oh, but uh, but I saw him in training 
that was that was when I started thinking, and I somehow lasted ten years without actually getting out. But I started thinking I'm in the wrong sport here. Yeah. He'd go off one step at some of those drills, and he'd knock knock over big tough blokes like Richard Lowe or Sean Fitzpatrick. He'd send them flying off one step at training. And he was a kid then, back but, then, right? Yeah, he was, and we didn't know he was going through the, the health problems that he did have at the time. He was just a a, a, a big guy, and um, when he was at his leanest and able to play at his best, he was just phenomenal, and he had such speed that sometimes it's easy to forget about the speed that he had. Mm-hmm. I mean, gee, we've seen so many players from every country over the years and stuff like that. So as a New Zealander, I always feel a little bit self-conscious talking mm-hmm. so much about one guy, but he was phenomenal. He deserves it. Yes, he's incredible, yeah. isn't he? And the athlete's one thing, but did you have an appreciation or how long did it take to understand the fact that you really became a cultural icon as well mm-hmm. for rugby, like globally, yeah. like absolutely phenomenal? It was quite good. From that 95 World Cup tournament on, we were quite conscious of that because we avoided the crowds. You know, we'd finish training where normally every player would sort of get mobbed, particularly yeah. go to South Africa, you yeah. know, love their rugby. Down in Cape Town, a lot of support for the All Blacks. Yeah. There used to be before that 95 World Cup final and, yeah. and ever since. But um, huge amount of support for the All Blacks. And All Blacks would normally always get mobbed at the end of training, but then it just became Jonah. Mm. And he couldn't hide because, he, you know, big yeah. unities. He's towering above everyone. He's got his big sunnies on. He had to, you know, try and get some privacy, put his headphones on so he was even more conspicuous. The rest of everyone else just sort of sneak away out the side, <laughs> jump on the bus. Sean Fitzpatrick might stick around a little bit because he was used to sort of getting autographs asked for and stuff. And I think he missed a little bit of the limelight, but he, <laughs> eventually he would grudgingly go, oh, nobody wants me here either. So he'd jump on the bus and they're all around Jonah. We're sitting on the bus playing a bit of cards, having a bit of a chat, and poor old Jonah's shouldering the load. So it just took off. Now then, gents, before we get into the Camp I-15, earlier on I caught up with ex-Wallaby and now Tongan's second row, Adam Coleman, Starting off by asking him how his body felt after playing the world champions last night. Yeah, a little bit, uh, a little bit sore, mate. Uh, I was in the ice bath this morning. What a couple of months has been for you to change allegiance from Australia to Tonga. There's been so much about it in the press. It's all been incredibly positive. How did it come about, and how proud are you to be playing in the red? Totai gave me a, a message. I think it was fishing a little bit, see how I was feeling about it. You know, I had a I had a significant injury at the start of the year, and uh, I really wanted to play another World Cup, and uh, I didn't want to let that that opportunity slide. You know, Australia didn't come knocking, so obviously to represent my my Tongan side, you know, it, it means incredibly so much. You know, like my old man's play for Tonga, my uncles, my cousins. I can go on and on. It's a pretty cool, like full circle moment. You've played South Africa. You've played uh, Ireland, number one team in the world, and Scotland. Just give us an insight into what you think of them. How, who do you think's the best out of those three? I feel like Ireland are very well aligned, and that they've got a true identity. This World Cup, they've got proof in the pudding. They've won consistently. And they also know how they want to play. And, you know, the structures put in put in place from their coaching staff has been proven. So they'll definitely be tough to beat this World Cup. Mm. Uh, and just one last thing, if if you don't mind me asking, what are your thoughts on what's going on with Australia at the moment? With with Obviously, the World Cup hasn't gone the way they wanted to. It's been a bit of a shock that they won't get out of these group stages now. Just just your your thoughts as, a, as an ex-international and very much involved with that squad over the years? Yeah, obviously, I watch that team as a fan now. They're obviously going through a quite tough time at the moment. You know, it's a, it's a very green team. I think they're still trying to find their identity. And it starts from the top down, to be honest. You know, for a long time in Australian rugby, you know, the CEO, the corporate side of stuff has been a little bit sloppy. Um, and it does filter down to uh, the players. Next World Cup, I mean, you'd be there or thereabouts, wouldn't you? What, you'd be still a young man, but <laughs> still be a young man well, by then? First of all, we'll see how the body goes. Second of all, we'll see what the missus says. <laughs> okay, yeah. We all know what the truth is there. Hey, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. All the best. No worries, mate. Thanks for your time. <laughs> uh, so we're going to ask you to choose one player, past or present, that you loved having a beer with after the game. Say cheers to, or maybe someone you didn't know that you would have loved to have had a beer with after the game. Uh, maybe there's a story to go with it as well. We're trying to put our Camp I-15 together. Who's going to go first, uh, Johnny? Past or present? Uh, I'll, go, I'll go fairly recent. Go on. And there's a few, especially coming to France, there were a few that were so wide. Like on the field, they spent more time chirping and, you know, eye gouging and grabbing things than actually playing rugby. You had guys like Remy Martin, oh, a blonde haired yeah. back rower, who I hated and ended up in the same team with at Montpellier. Sylvain Marconnet, the tight head prop who spent his entire time winding people up, spitting on people. Like <laughs> most recently, is probably Bernard Leroux. 
Um, a boy who I absolutely hated on the field. I can still remember him, Scotland, France, but also at Racing. Like it's different than top 14 because it's a total grind. I can remember you on malls and grabbing and aggressive and just mouthing, but at one phase getting away from a ball, but him grabbing and almost shaking me like a pillowcase. But so hard that like my head, I head butted the floor, <laughs> knocked out, and that was me off the field. Absolutely. That's livid. not funny, but it's <laughs> But it's these types of things that you think, and he was constantly chipping. And then only after the game, he bounds up to you and a bit like Shala, a massive smile, nicest guy in the world, a glass of wine, and everything's forgotten. He's one of those blokes that loved by absolutely everyone, totally horrendous on the field, horrible to play against, but one of the best blokes you come across for beer afterwards. So total legend. Love it. Yeah, there are blokes like that, aren't they? You get the Everywhere. wrong impression because <clears throat> some guys cross the chalk and they just completely change. Robbie Flick yeah. was notorious, <laughs> yes. absolute dick on the field. <laughs> but what you a can, what a I, cracking bloke off it. Yeah. But I'm glad Flicky actually came up and I thought it's of Flicky yours? You, you pick him Flicky? I, yeah, well, I, I'm going to put Flicky in there now because I had a massive night with him and I was almost going to put Mark Andrews in there, but I'm glad I'm not because he was the guy that I couldn't stand on the field and he couldn't stand me either. And he was, you know, played that number eight, uh, he played at number eight in the World Cup final in 95, but he was a lock. So we played against one another over a few years. And I remember him in Christchurch running around. And, and clearly I was, you know, I wasn't big or physical. And it was obvious that I was pretty scared on the field. I scored a couple of tries where people go, gee, you were quick. And I, no, the right word is scared. Um, <laughs> but I remember Mark Andrews running around in Christchurch at Lancaster Park and shouting out, I can't believe how scared you are. And I was like, well, that's no secret. It's no secret at all. You're not telling me anything. And you know what? You're a massive bloke. You're not that tough either. I couldn't stand Mark Andrews over the years. And people would say to me, the South African boys I did have, I loved catching up with Rassi after the game. And they'd all say, he's a great bloke. You've got to have a night with him. And I would avoid him and avoid him. And one night I couldn't avoid him, and it was 99. And we'd got tipped out of the semifinals in uh, the World Cup by France. South Africa had been beaten by Australia, sort of beaten at their own game. Larkham kicks the only drop goal of his career his and puts career. South Africa out. Yeah. So we had to play that horrible game, the third and fourth playoff, which I think Steve Hansen once described as like open mouth kissing your grandmother. <laughs> it's just nobody wants to do it. And we've played this game on the Thursday night. It was a rubbish game. No one wanted to be there. But then as, as losing semi-finalists, we had to go to the World Cup final dinner and watch – Australia and France get all the accolades and whatnot. And at that night, we turned into a little bit of a disgrace. South Africans and New Zealanders pulled together through a mutual loathing of being there. And, <laughs> and the South Africans had this little game where they had a golf ball. Somebody had thought to bring a golf ball, which yeah, you do to drink. a World Cup finals. And and if they put it in your drink without you, have to finish the drink. Yeah. So it started out as people dropping the, the ball in the drink. It ended up as people throwing the ball as far as they could. And after that, it moved to, I'm pretending to throw it at your drink, but I get you in the head, bang, <laughs> off the head. And over the course of that night, ended up with Robbie Fleck and Mark Andrews had the most fantastic night. And Christian Cullen and Mrs. Cullen as well, who had this biggest night. We had this huge night in Cardiff. Fantastic night with Mark Andrews, who I'd never thought I'd ever have a beer with, but also with Robbie Fleck. So he's the one I want to put on the team, actually. Oh, that's world class. Oh, I'm in tears. Here. Awesome. Right, come on, Scalk. Who's your... Um, there's, well, there's two South Africans, one Australian. I thought Matt Gitto... Not a big guy, but he was, I can remember we played against them and they told me, this guy, just make sure he, he steps off his right foot. Just cover him. It was actually super rugby. What happens? Steps off his other foot, <laughs> rounds me, goes, scores a try. Was it Razzie that told you to look out for that? Actually, it was. <laughs> it was, actually. So we had to do analysis <laughs> of your direct opposition and every player in the team. And then you have to come with a report. That's how technical right is of what their favorite foot is to step off, what is their strength and their weaknesses. So that's, wow. that was, that broke me as a rugby player really, because I, I just want to play the game. I don't want to analyze and everything, yeah. yeah. But Rassi was so far ahead in 2004 with already doing that. But I always thought, yes, this guy's good and you can't get him. Then we played for Barbers together from Monday till Friday nights on the, Assize. on it, yes. But we had an amazing time. And that's the one thing about the Barbers that's so amazing. You think the guys are, uh, what do you say? Yeah. And then you meet the guy and you have the best time with him. But Everyone two, says that. Yeah, two, so, two South Africans that I really hated playing against oh. and that was Bucky's Buerta and Skogberger. <laughs> Bucky's for the for one particular reason. He runs onto the pitch, he prays, and he probably prays that God will forgive him for what he's about to do. And the first game I played, this is a club game, Two get got in the scrum. He's obviously in Marseille now. We can hear the sirens. Yeah, literally the first scrum, <laughs> bah, open up. 
Toof. Off I go. Second, come back, stitched up, nice, go on it. Um, was two scrums later, boom, other eye, open up. And I went, after the game, I went to Bucky's. I'm like, Bucky's, what, why? What, why would you do this? He said, sorry, Scala, sorry. <laughs> and then actually had a couple of beers afterwards. I've got stitched up and we have a couple of beers again. I thought, okay, this guy isn't a big but I said, please don't do that again. No. <laughs> um, you can hear in the yeah, face. Not the money maker. <laughs> and then Skullberg is, is literally... Jacqueline Hyde, if he, he's the most calm, pleasant guy to be around. And we've played four Saracens, four Springboks, four... Mm. Uh, Lewis Moody was like that as well, wasn't Sorry? He? Lewis Moody, yeah. the same sort of quiet, but on the field. But a couple of games we played against each other from school days to... Yeah. to we played together varsity, but then I went away uh, to play for the Lions back then. But he was just... Uh, he would tackle the, everything. Some people got good, good technique and you get smashed. He just arms, legs, head, knees kind of thing. <laughs> awkward. But to have... Disregard to, for yeah. his body, wasn't yeah. it? You would have played against yeah. him, Johnny. Ridiculous. Yeah. Tough, he, eh? He's a nightmare. And the thing it's is, like he's, a train. he's big, but he's bony. Yeah. He doesn't have muscles. It's his he head. The, gym. the Swede on him as it's well. It's absolutely massive. Yeah. I tell you what, just to, to keep topical, we'll let you have Gitto and the team. We'll put the two South Africans on the bench because yeah. apparently you can have as many yeah, as you I'll want. Yeah, I'll vote for Skulky yeah. easily. I, I don't know Bucky's. I mean, I stay away from him off the field as well. But yeah. Yeah. Skulk was great. I'd never played Barbarians as well. One of my regrets along with oh, you, Johnny. But, but I played one game that was the fundraiser for the, the tsunami in, in, yeah. um, in yeah. Indonesia. Oh, yeah. yeah. And all the Super Rugby teams had to contribute one player. And Robbie Dean sent me from the Crusaders because he wanted to get rid of me for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and I was fine with that. And so there was, you know, Phil War and George Gregan, I think uh, Chris Latham from Australia. Uh, we had Todd, oh, Todd Kefu as well. But yeah. Skulky was up there with that. And we had the greatest week. And it wasn't even a massive week having massive nights all the time. It was just very social. First time I'd... Um, you know, socially run into Victor Matfield after being on the field against him as well. And just Jacques Fourier was there yeah. as well. We had the most amazing week. Skuck was like a big kid. Who's going to win the World Cup? I'd love to see the French. Oh, I've got to say New Zealand. If not the All Blacks, who? Uh, I think South Africa. If not South Africa, it would be great that either France or Ireland wins it for world rugby. <laughs> that was a ridiculous answer, but I loved it. I'm all sitting the same. on the fence. Off of this, the Irish from the word go. There you go. Big thanks to Scout, to Andrew, and to Johnny. You've been uh, listening to and you've been watching the official Rugby World Cup podcast brought to you by Asahi Super Dry, the official beer of the World Cup. Please, please, please leave your comments uh, below and we shall see you next week. Mm.